Shabbat Shalom. We are continuing today in our study through the Turei Asar, the minor prophets in the uh, Tanakh. And we are today at the fourth chapter of the book of Yonah, book of Jonah. Jonah has four chapters, and those four chapters progress from Jonah in the first chapter fleeing from the Lord. And as he flees from the Lord, he runs across the Lord's uh, holding him back, as it were, as he is faced with a great storm and is thrown out of a ship. In the second chapter of Jonah, we see him in the belly of a great fish that the Lord has prepared. And while he is there, he turns to the Lord and he asks for forgiveness and commits his ways to him. In chapter 3, Yonah now goes and he preaches in Nineveh. And Yonah is not happy about this, but now he is committed to doing the will of God. And now we come to Yonah chapter 4. And this prophet, whose name Yonah means dove, is now in the position where he is going to do some things that we wouldn't think to be particularly characteristic of a dove or one who seeks peace, according to the meaning of that that uh, bird's name and its symbolism ever since the days of Noah when it symbolized God's having made peace with mankind. So let's turn to the book of Yonah, chapter 4, and we are going to see in this book the troubled soul of a prophet, the troubled soul of someone who is coming to terms with who God really is the sovereignty of God and his need to adjust his ideas of whom God is to who God actually is. Yonah is coming face to face with both great evil and great compassion. He is coming face to face with a God who is not exactly the way that he had thought that God is. And so in Yonah chapter 4 and verse 1, with the background that the people of Nineveh have been faced with the judgment of God and are now being forgiven by him, and God is relenting from the judgment he has said he would bring, Yonah is displeased. Yonah chapter 4 verses 1 to 4, we see an evil paradox facing Yonah. And we read there that it displeased Yonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord God, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me 
to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Poor Yonah. He is in a difficult situation. He is very concerned that by having preached the judgment of God and the need for the Ninevites to repent, he has then and now laid the foundation for the Ninevites, the Assyrians, to come and to execute God's judgment upon his own people. In other words, he feels that he is now in the position where he has played a part in God's judgment upon Israel, where Israelites will be killed by the thousands, where they will be sent into exile in the words of the prophets that have predicted that this would happen. For him, he is in the terrible position where he is enabling this to happen. How he would have wished that God's judgment should come upon Nineveh so that Israel might be spared. And so the very first words of Jonah, as he describes this situation for us, Vayera el Yonah ra'ah. And it was evil to Jonah. Evil gedolah, very great. It was a very great evil to Yonah. And this is where it so helps to know a little bit of Hebrew, and I think all of us should at least try to learn to read the Hebrew alphabet so that we can use the uh, biblical study tools that are available to us. But the English doesn't fully, in any translation that I know, show the depth of how horrible this was to Jonah. Here in the English in the New King James that I'm using, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. In the Tree of Life version, it says, and Jonah was very disappointed, if I remember correctly, from having read that. It was certainly disappointing. It was certainly displeasing to Jonah. But the Hebrew, in saying that, uses words that are strong. Ra'a, ra is evil. Of course, it's evil from small evils to great evils, but the word evil is still there. And it is repeated twice for this powerful emphasis. This was gut-wrenching to Jonah. He was very, very displeased and upset. Vayera el Yonah ra'a gedola. And he became angry, angry. His anger burned. He is going to see God preparing the way for his judgment upon the, uh, Israel. Whereas he had wished that God would judge the evil Ninevites, who were doing no doubt all kinds of evil deeds, and who clearly themselves recognized the evil of their own deeds, while he, he, is see, he had desired to see God's judgment upon them, he is now going to see, maybe 
after his lifetime, but prophetically, he sees God's judgment upon Israel. It's a tragedy for him. He is very angry. He is angry because he knew something about God, and he says, God, I knew this about you. And he doesn't like this aspect of God. He likes it if it is for Israel, but he doesn't like it particularly when that aspect of God's character is displayed to the nations. But this is where this book is so valuable to us because here we are. We're from a number of different nations this morning. Most of us are Canadians, but, but we do come from their various nations. And, and we sometimes wonder, what does it mean when God talks to Israel? How do I relate this to my own nation and to my own life? And Jonah tells us that God is the same God to the Ninevites, who are evil, and to the Israelites, who are becoming increasingly evil, and whom the prophets have said, God will judge. God is the same God to the nations and to Israel. God's basic character is the same. And no matter what our background whether we are Jewish or not Jewish or from whatever nation we might come, from whatever family our background might be. God is the same to us. And we can bank on that. The book of Jonah tells us he knew this about God. He feared the goodness of God. He says, Ah, Lord. He uses the personal name of God, which is, which is related so often in Scripture to actually God's attributes of mercy, God's mercifulness towards mankind. Ah, Lord, Hashem, we say, or Adonai sometimes. Was not this what I said when I was still in my own country? He knew it. He is appalled by it. But he knew it. God is a gracious God. And I look at the book of Jonah here, and you know why he's written this here? He hasn't written it because he really wants to unburden his soul and have us 2,000 years later, or 3,000 some odd years later, say, what a terrible person Jonah was not to grasp the goodness of God. I think... Jonah has recorded these words because now he is going back to Israel and he has to tell them, God used me to spare the Ninevites. And they're all looking at him appalled and saying, Jonah, it would have been better if you had died than that you should have played a role in sparing the Ninevites. And Jonah is saying, yes, you're right. It would have been better that I should have died. God has used him, not in any way that he would have liked in his life, but God has used him. As sometimes what it means to be a person of God. Sometimes God will use us, and we don't particularly know the consequences, and we might not even be particularly happy with the consequences. But when we are doing God's will, God will use us. Yonah is a man of God. He is a prophet. And even though he has gutted, 
Even though he is terribly appalled, God has used him because he is at the disposal of God. God doesn't always use us for the great things that we would wish or to bring great prosperity and blessing. God has used Jonah to bring evil upon Israel. And he has to explain this to the Israelites who have heard the words of the prophets that have said, Nineveh will come and destroy you. That they will be the judgment, the agent of God's judgment upon the people of Israel. And so he says, Ah, Lord God, and he tells the people of Israel now, saying, was, This is what I said to God. Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. You can see his apologetic to his compatriots in Israel. I tried to get out of it. I didn't succeed. That is how gracious God is. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. And here he brings to bear, as we've seen before in the book, the attributes of mercy of God that he displayed to the one we call Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, on the mountain of God in the wilderness. And those words come from the book of Exodus, or Shemot, chapter 34, verses 6 to 7, verses 5, 6, and 7, where the Lord came down in a cloud. And here is Moses. He wants to see the glory of the Lord. The Lord came down in a cloud. He stood with him there and proclaimed the name Lord. The name yod vav the the as we say often now, the ineffable name, the, the, the name of God. He declaimed, declared his name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness. In Jonah, Jonah says, I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Just as the Lord had said in the book of Exodus, extending kindness to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. He knew this about God. And he is really distressed by it. How could God forgive these people? Their sin is so much greater than the sin of the Israelites. They are such a a terrible people in what they do to each other and to the nations round about. And you, I knew you were going to have mercy upon them. We, look, we can look at this, and it, it's maybe somewhat um, humorous to us from our perspective. But this was deadly serious in Jonah's day. But it's something that can 
tell us something for ourselves as well. If God could be merciful upon the Ninevites, look how terrible they were. Look at how they deserved the judgment of God. How much more so can he be gracious to me? How much more so can he be merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness to me and to those I share the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach with? Because we have the message of Yeshua HaMashiach, the one who has come, who has taken upon us the punishment that was due us. Yonah did not have the message of Yeshua. He knew the character of God. He knew that God is one who loves, who cares, and is merciful and forgiving. And he had to preach that alongside with the message of God's judgment. And so now he sees what he had feared. The Ninevites have repented. And he says, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. There is one who died for us so that we might live. Yonah is doing what many men of God had done over the centuries. Moshe Rabbeinu, he did pray to the Lord and said, uh, let me be punished so that your punishment might be averted from the people of Israel. He interceded for Israel and offered his own life in Israel's stead. Rav Shaul, the great apostle, he said, I would wish that I myself might be accursed for the sake of my brethren, Israel. And Jonah says, I'd rather that I died than to see this happen. He knows the impact of what he was saying. But we have one who did die so that we might experience the mercy of God. Their sympathies, their thoughts only reflect the great mercy of God who sent his son so that we might have God's mercy. And so the Lord says to Jonah, and he evades Jonah's very depressed, angry, distra- uh, dis- distressed thoughts and, and offer of, take, of offering his own life up to God. He bypasses that all, and he says to Jonah, Is it right? for you to be angry. It is a question, the first of three questions in this chapter that point us towards what God is, who he is, a God who cares for his creation. God is not a God who turned his back on his creation and his world when sin entered into it, but who has done and is doing all that can be done to reconcile the world to himself. And we are reminded, as Rav Shaul said, God was in Messiah reconciling the world to himself. 
This has always been God's plan. And we see it now for the Ninevites. God has mercy upon them. So now we come to the second part of Yonah chapter 4. This is the second time that God prepares something. And we're going to see that actually God prepares not one thing, but two things. The first thing that God prepares in the book of Yonah is the great fish. We see this in chapter 1 and verse 17. The Lord prepared a great fish. Vayeman Hashem Dag Gadol. The Lord prepared, he established, he, he um, set up this great fish. And now the Lord is going to prepare a plant, the very same word, Vayeman is used, and he is going to prepare a worm. Vayeman is used once again. It's very clear. The author wants us to know these three miraculous creatures. The fish, the plant, and the worm. All are the work of God. They're all not Miracles in the sense that they come out of nowhere. The fish is a fish, but it's far bigger than normal. It's able to swallow Jonah. The plant is a plant. It's like any other plant, but it's far more than normal. And the worm is a worm that is also prepared. It is not quite a normal worm. It destroys the plant in a matter of hours. And so here is Jonah, verse 5, in the second part of this chapter. And he has seen God's mercy, but now he wants to see God's judgment nonetheless. We read in verse 5, Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become. Of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Yonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Yonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Yonah's head that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than live. Then God said to Yonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. Yonah is still making his apology to the people of Israel who he feels and who he, whom he knows will feel that he has betrayed in order to remain faithful to God. He has had to put God first ahead of his own people. It's a difficult position for him. And he's saying in verse 5, I went to see the judgment of God upon Nineveh. There are various theories and suppositions floating around, and it seems like maybe Yonah is hoping 
the repentance of the Ninevites now that he has left the city. Maybe their repentance will not be enough. Maybe they will say, ah, Jonah is gone, let's return to our evil ways. He's hoping that something will happen and that God will still execute his judgment upon this great city. So he goes to a place to the east of the city where he can watch everything that's going to happen. And he's on the east side of the city, so he's going to set up his little sukkah, his booth, facing west. That means the sun is going to arise behind him. He's going to be under the shade of the sun of his little sukkah as he sits there and as the sun rises up into the sky. And he's hoping his sukkah will be enough. And his sukkah probably would have been enough to keep him sheltered. But things are not going to go his way. He was hoping that he'd see the sun high over the city and then he'd see the judgment of God upon it. And he was hoping that by the time he was looking at the sun setting before him, that God's judgment would have taken place. This is his hope. And he sits there hoping that the thousands of people whom he has met, the tens of thousands whom he has actually seen repent, he is still hoping that God will utterly destroy them and that they will be no more. And so he goes out of the city, sits out on the east side of the city and makes himself a shelter and sits under it in its shade. The shelter is probably made from bushes and from branches that he's been able to scrounge. And he's made himself a little bit of a shelter and it's going to shelter him and keep him um, from the heat of the day. And he is greatly blessed because now he has a very encouraging sign in verse verse 6. The Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Yonah, that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his ministry. So Yonah was very grateful for the plant. I think if you read between the lines, as many commentators have done, you can see that Yonah is thinking, ah, God has given me a plant so I can watch this. He knows here I am on the east side of the city waiting for the destruction on Nineveh, and God is making me comfortable. He's given me this plant. This is a wonderful plant, and he's very happy. Now, I know in the southern United States, they have a plant that was imported from Japan for road control, uh, erosion control on the roads. It's called kudzu. It grows about three feet in a day. Um, It's a terribly invasive plant, and it's devastated Uh, hundreds of square miles of southern United States, if not thousands of square miles. Very difficult to get rid of. It grows incredibly fast. This plant was a plant that grew at least two or three times that rate. And it probably had nice big leaves. It's called a kikayon. It sounds like it might have been a gourd plant, uh, but no one's absolutely sure. And it provides him more shade than his little shelter made out of the branches he could scrounge ever would. Uh, 
And he's very grateful. It's obviously a hot time of year. And here he is sitting in the sun and he needs the shade. Maybe he doesn't feel that well. He's very upset after all. And so, so not being in the peak of physical condition, he needs a little bit of comfort. And so here he is with his back to the sun, hoping as he sits in the shade. He would have brought his lawn chair. They had lawn chairs in those days. Sat there with his lemonade cooler and enjoyed the view. That's the kind of mindset he had as he sat there waiting for the judgment of God. And he is very grateful for the plant. In fact, he is not only grateful, but he is delighting over that plant. He almost falls in love with it. What a beautiful plant. He is very pleased. And then, As morning dawned the next day, verse 7, the Lord prepared a worm. And that worm comes and destroys that plant. The plant withers. The leaves on the bushes that he had brought, they are probably withering as well. He has almost no shelter as well anymore. And we read in verse 8 that God prepared a vehement east wind. And There are two interpretations of this. One is that it was a very strong, blowing wind that just blew his shelter away and that brought this hot uh, wind in. And another interpretation of the Hebrew here is that it was a, a east wind that just came in oppressively and hot. Not a fast wind, but it was just, you know, those very hot summer days where the heat is just oppressive, and you can barely feel the air move, and there's no escaping from it. And this vehement east wind, however you interpret it, was hot. It was oppressive. And it was a terrible wind. And the Ninevites in their mud brick houses down on the plain, they were no doubt inside, somewhat sheltered from the heat. But now Jonah is the one who's suffering. They're not. Because they have shade, and he doesn't. And he sits under the heat of the sun, doing his best to survive, doing his best to get along. And while he suffers, nothing happens down on the plain. Everything goes on as usual. He can see the farmers with their carts and their oxen. He can see people going to and fro. He can see people sitting under the shade of their trees, whereas he has none. And life is going on, as usual, in Nineveh. But he is experiencing suffering. And he says to himself, now he's talking to himself in verse 8, it is better for me to die than live. He cannot tolerate this. And once again, God asks him, this question. Is it right for you to be angry? This time it is, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And this is the lesson that Jonah is going to learn for himself. And to his credit, he learns it. He writes it. And he passes it on for future generations. 
God is a merciful God. And when we talk about the mercy of God, it is the mercy of God on our enemies as well as on us. As the scriptures say, the rain falls on the wicked as well as the righteous. God is a merciful God. We can thank him for his mercy. We are all sinners. We are all descended from sinners. Thank God he is a merciful God. And so we come to the third part of the chapter. Now Jonah is angry because God has been merciful to Nineveh, but God has judged and destroyed the plant. He's angry at God's mercy. He's angry at God's judgment, because God is showing that he is also a God of judgment, and Jonah is suffering. Jonah says in verse 9, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. That's his response to God. Yes, I am right. God is questioning him. He's not dropping the hammer on him. He's already done that once. Jonah's been in the whale. And he says now, this is the way it is. And this is the end of the book. And the book ends very abruptly. When you first read it, you might think, well, maybe the last leaf of the scroll was torn off and we were missing some verses at the end. But this is it. This is how the book ends. You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. Should there not be mercy upon them? We are at the Erev of Purim. As the sun goes down tonight, Purim begins. We're going to uh, celebrate it downstairs after the service, and if you're a visitor here, please join with us. We're going to enjoy the celebration of Purim. In fact, the Lord told us in the book of Esther that, uh, or let's say the Lord didn't directly tell us, but we decided as a Jewish people that this would be our celebration in every generation. In Esther chapter 9 and verse 27, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants and all who would join them that without fail, They should celebrate these two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time. That these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city. That these days of Purim should not fail to be observed among the Jews and that the memory of them should not perish among their descendants. These are the days when we celebrate for two days deliverance that God gave us. God gave us a great deliverance. And someone left me a dragger up here, so every time we say the name of that evil man, Haman, we, we do our little dragger and uh, blot his name out. We 
rejoiced because God delivered us. As believers in Messiah, I hope we rejoice in God's deliverance of us. And God is saying, I'm even delivering your enemies. We might sometimes like to make God after our own image. There are many people who have different images of God. In fact, all of us, to one degree or another, are, are working on understanding, on knowing God. Our best guide to knowing God are the scriptures that he has given us, the Tanakh, the Brit Chadashah. Through them we get to know who God is. J.I. Packer in Regent College, still teaching um, in his advanced stage, is famous for his book, Knowing God. To know him is one of the great delights of life, and it is really the task of eternity, because the infinite God, even though we should live for eternity and study and learn of him and relate to him for eternity, will always be infinitely beyond our grasp. We will never fully understand him. And here we learn something about him. And we need to, all, in, in this, as Yonah was able to do, we need to be able to adjust our thinking about him to the reality of who he is. Sometimes some, uh, many people view God as just a judge and are afraid of him as the one who will judge them for doing what is evil. Other people prefer only to think of the mercy of God. God couldn't do anything harsh to anyone, could he? Um, the thought is, if God could let such and such a tragedy happen, how can I believe in God? The problem isn't with God. It's with us being unwilling to change our view of who God is to the reality of whom he is as he is even revealed in the word of God. And here Jonah had a view of God that said God should judge the Ninevites. God should not be this merciful. He can be merciful to us, the Israelites, but he should not be merciful to the Assyrians. And the Lord said in verse 11, Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. God said, look, you, you are having pity on this gourd, this plant that gave you shade for a few hours the, yesterday. Shouldn't I have mercy on these people? He's not saying that their repentance was perfect. He's not saying it would endure. This isn't so much about the Ninevites. It's about God, who is a merciful God, who reaches out and accepts us as we turn to him. I don't know that any of us could say that our repentance is perfect. Our repentance is can never be perfect. We are not perfect people. We repent to the best of our ability. We have turned to God with, to the best of our ability with all of our heart, soul, and strength. 
But he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for that turn of the heart to him. And he saw that turn of the heart to him in Nineveh, and he had mercy. And he had mercy on the 120,000 persons, whether because they were too young or maybe too simple-minded to be able to tell the difference between their right hand and the left. He had pity on the children of Nineveh. He had pity on the livestock, on the animals that lived in people's homes and that lived in their fields. He cared for the animals. It's interesting. It's something to keep note of. I noticed the last few weeks we've prayed a couple times for a couple ill animals that belong to members of our Kehilah. God cares about the animals, Yonah tells us. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of kindness and a God of love. And we take away that as we finish the book of Yonah, which ends abruptly. Nothing more is said. There's no official conclusion. God is a God of mercy. Shouldn't he have been merciful? That is who he is. But also we're left with the lesson of Jonah's own life. That Jonah came face to face with the fact that he needed, and the Israelites whom he's telling this story to, justifying what happened in Nineveh. He's saying, we need to understand who God is, and we need to be learning of him, getting to know him better, getting to love him better, so that we might actually know him for whom he is. We shall see him, the scriptures say, as he is. And it is who he is, not whom we would like him to be, that we need to be preparing ourselves to meet in the Olam Haba when we join him in eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Avinu Sheva Shamayim, we thank you for Messiah, your son, through whom, as, as, as Richard pointed out to us earlier, we, we saw your glory. We thank you for our Messiah, Yeshua. We thank you for his grace and his truth that we saw, the characteristics that are yours. Father, we pray that we might always be your disciples, always learning of you, always willing to learn more, to get to know you more, to get to love you more. Father, we pray that we might be faithful preachers and teachers of your word in our generation, in our city. We pray that we might be faithful to share your word and our knowledge of whom you are with those around us so that they too might be brought to the point where they are able to lay hold upon the horns of the altar and ask for your mercy, knowing that you are a merciful God revealed in Messiah Yeshua who took upon himself the stripes by which we are healed. We thank you for him in Yeshua's name. Amen.